Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. So glad you could join us for this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry. And with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. This week, we're talking about some of the resources that we have available for you as one of our listeners. Perhaps a Christian who wants to share their faith with an LDS acquaintance and is looking for some information that will help them have an effective conversation with a Latter-day Saint. Today we're going to be looking at our book, Mormonism 101. Now, this book was originally written in the year 2000. Hard to believe, Eric, that's been over two decades since we first worked on this project. Do you remember several times we would want to get away, and we didn't have laptops, so we took our desktop computers from home, and we went to a motel in Yuma, Arizona. During so- the summer, for four or five days, and we would sit in the pool after working for three or four hours. We'd sit in the pool for an hour. We'd come back in, and we'd work. I mean, we worked all day and night on that. Yeah, it was quite a project, but we had to go there to get away from the phones, and just we could talk to each other and work on some of the ideas that we had in putting this book together. And as a result, we have Mormonism 101. It's meant to be an introduction to the doctrines and history of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. It was not meant to be all that exhaustive, although there are quite a few pages in this book, over 300 pages in 101. But we again broke it down kind of like in a mini systematic theology, somewhat similar to what we did with answering Mormon's questions. But we start off, for instance, with what is the teaching of God? Now, I think one of the strengths of Mormonism 101 is we're not just dealing with what the LDS Church has taught on these issues. We try to make it very apparent that we have Christian views on this, and so when we're talking about what the LDS Church has taught on a subject, we give a Christian position as well. And I remember talking to a a former Mormon about that because he was given Mormonism 101 as he was having questions about his LDS faith, and he came up to me And he mentioned to me specifically that the fact that we do address what Christians believe on these subjects helped him immensely to see just how radically different the doctrine of the LDS Church is compared to the Christian position on those same topics. But what we did with the chapters, like in Answering Mormon's Questions, we have response questions or clarification questions. What we did here is we started off with a quotation from an LDS leader or a prominent member of the LDS church, whether it was a BYU professor or someone like that, to kind of set the stage for what we're dealing with. So let's look at chapter three in particular. Chapter three begins on page 61, and the title is The Trinity. Now, of course, Trinity is a word that We use often as Christians to describe what we believe regarding the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, but it's not that the word Trinity has never been used by LDS leaders. It most certainly has been used by them, but when you look at how they describe the Trinity, it certainly is not the historical definition that we've all come to know. 
they've tweaked it a little bit and they try to make it fit their view of tritheism, which is the Father is a God, the Son is a God, the Holy Ghost is a God, three separate gods that make up one Godhead. Well, that would not be a Trinitarian view. But we have this quote by President Spencer W. Kimball at the head of chapter 3 on page 61. What does he say there, Eric? Joseph knew, as no other soul living, these absolutes. He knew that God lives, that he is a glorified person with flesh and bones and personality like us or we like him in his image. He knew that the long-heralded trinity of three gods in one was a myth, a deception. He knew that the Father and the Son were two distinct beings with form, voices, and personalities. He knew that the gospel was not on the earth, for by the deities he had learned it, and the true church was absent from the earth, for the God of heaven and earth had so informed him. Now, why is that quote so important? Well, if you listen carefully, you would find that Spencer Kimball uses a straw man argument. He defines the Trinity in a way that we wouldn't accept, where he says, He, speaking of Joseph Smith, knew that the long-heralded Trinity of three gods in one was a myth, a deception. Has that ever been a definition of the Trinity, at least an orthodox definition of the Trinity, that we believe that there are three gods in one? No. Three persons, yes. One God. Christianity has always been a monotheistic religion, as Judaism is a monotheistic religion. Mormonism is not a monotheistic religion. In fact, you will not find in Christian church history where it was ever considered orthodox to believe that the Father was a separate God, that Jesus was a separate God, and that the Holy Ghost was a separate God. That was just not something that has been taught in the Christian tradition. So to have the 12th president of the church make a mistake like that, it only makes you wonder. Well, if a president can make a mistake like that, you can only imagine what the laity of the church is probably thinking. If they're getting their information from Spencer Kimball on this topic, then they're going to make a mistake, and they won't correctly understand what the Christian position is. But in each of the chapters, we also had another little bell and whistle, and that was the Mormonese section. Why don't you explain for listeners what that means? Yeah, there are certain words that we may have in common with the Latter-day Saints, but they have different meanings. And so we try to explain what does the word Trinity, for instance, in this chapter, mean for the Mormon, Mormonese. And so this is what we said. Depending on the person could mean a number of things, including a teaching that was formulated centuries after the Bible was compiled, saying how God the Father is the same God as Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Regardless of how this word is interpreted, it is generally rejected as pagan by Latter-day Saints. Notice, it's the way they understand it. That certainly wouldn't be the way we would understand it. Now, the definition that you just read there, Eric, would be more of the understanding of what we call modalism, that the Father is the Son, the Son is the Father, the Son is the Holy Spirit, and so forth. But that would not be a correct understanding of what the triune God is. And we try to explain what the Trinity is in this chapter from a Christian perspective. And that's, I think, a strength of the book, because we do lay out what the Latter-day Saints teach about that particular topic. 
And for the Trinity, after explaining a little bit of where Mormonism stands, we went through and talked about one God on page 65, and then three persons on page 67, using Bible verses to support our view. And I think that's important to know for a Latter-day Saint who might pick this book up. Now, I doubt if they're going to go to a bookstore looking for this book, but it could be that a Christian friend of theirs may give it to them and say, just look at this. If they're going to do so, they're going to see what our position is. Bill, I want to say something real quick. Yesterday we talked about our book, Answering Mormon's Questions. This book is called Mormonism 101, and in 2018, the top leader of the church said that we're not supposed to use the term Mormon or Mormonism. Are we going to change the way that we title our books? Well, that's a great question. We had a similar question asked of us. Now that Russell M. Nelson doesn't want anybody using the the word Mormonism, are we going to change the name of our ministry? Folks, we think today that that whole idea is just as silly as it was when Russell M. Nelson introduced it. Mormonism certainly is a word that explains the movement of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. What do you really want us to do? Do you want us to change the title of Mormonism 101 to Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints 101? That probably wouldn't even make sense to most people. Or in the case of our other book, Answering Mormons' Questions, answering members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints' questions, we could probably swing that one, but it would certainly be awfully long and cumbersome, just as long and cumbersome as the official name for the church. At the end of the chapter 3, page 69, we give three discussion questions, just as we did in Answering Mormon's Questions. We think these are books that can be used in a group setting. And then we give a final thought, just a paragraph to kind of summarize why we believe the way we do, contrasted with Mormonism. What I like about this book in particular, Bill, the endnotes are not endnotes, though they're endnotes for the chapter itself. So each chapter has its own notes. You don't have to go all the way to the back to try to find those. What we also did is include an appendix. Now, this appendix is certainly different than answering Mormon's questions, but we had one appendix, and it was titled 15 Common Logical Fallacies Explained. So in this, you get a little lesson on what a logical fallacy is, but then we put it within the context of Mormonism. Bill, the, um, one of the fallacies we give is called appeal to the people, and it's insisting that your position is true because other people agree with it. And the example, we like to give the example, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints has millions of members. Do you really think that many people can be wrong? And then we give an analysis. Just because many people, even a majority, share the same position is not a guarantee that the view they share is correct. To give you an example, when we used to go out to the Mormon miracle pageant before that was discontinued, I remember having a conversation with a very sincere female member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. This was, of course, before the pageant began, and it was still kind of early, and there weren't a whole lot of people there yet, although there were probably hundreds at least. And I'll never forget when we were having this discussion, she kind of took the back of her hand and kind of waved it and said to me, do you really think all these people could be wrong? What do you think my answer was to that question? I politely said, yes, I do think they could be wrong. Just because you take a number of people from a certain group, and this group, of course, would be members of the LDS Church. Naturally, they're going to be like-minded on a lot of things, 
And naturally, they could be wrong. They most certainly could be wrong. As we've been honest on this show, we could be wrong. We don't have all knowledge. There could be something out there that we're not aware of where we would probably be compelled to change our view if the evidence was strong enough to do so. So when a person says we have millions of members, that doesn't necessarily mean that the millions of members are correct. You cannot have two opposing views and draw the conclusion that both sides are right. Now, both sides could be wrong, but either one or the other is going to be wrong if they are diametrically opposed to each other. And yes, though Latter-day Saints are very sincere, we've never argued that point because we find in many cases when we talk to members, they're absolutely sincere in what they believe. But they could be sincerely wrong in their conclusions. I think Mormonism 101 would help in that area. If you want to know what the LDS Church has taught on these issues, what LDS leaders have written about these issues, as well as what the Christian position is on those very issues. I think Mormonism 101, along with answering Mormon's questions, when people come to me at the book table at the back after a meeting and ask me which book should they get, I'm going to recommend these two. This one is a great overview. You can pick it up on our bookstore on mrm.org. We recommend you have a book like this so that you can successfully contrast Mormonism with Christianity. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism.